0: Welcome to the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday Message. The Bay Area has a rich diversity of churches and ministries that serve the community in Jesus' name. And here at KFAX, we love to shine a spotlight onto the great things God is doing through the kingdom work of pastors and ministry leaders. We feature a sermon or presentation from that leader to get you better acquainted with churches who will welcome you to worship, and ministry opportunities
1: that invite your involvement. Hello and welcome to the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday Message. Today we are very happy to have Pastor Paul Shepard of Destiny Christian Fellowship. The Destiny Christian Fellowship Worship Center is located in Fremont at 42326 Albray Street in the Fountains Business Park. Paul Earl Shepard has been preaching since his teens and has been in pastoral ministry since 1982. He served as an associate pastor in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania for seven years and as the senior pastor of Abundant Life Christian Fellowship in Mountain View for 20 years. Under Pastor Paul's visionary leadership, Abundant Life became one of the largest and most culturally diverse congregations in Northern California. In October 2010, he founded Destiny Christian Fellowship with the vision of reaching and discipling thousands for Christ in the San Francisco Bay Area and beyond. Pastor Paul studied at the University of Pennsylvania the Center for Urban Theological Studies and the Southern California School of Ministry from which he earned a Master in Ministry degree and was later honored with a Doctorate of Divinity. In addition, Pastor Paul is an author whose latest book Why God Created Dads helps fathers, grandfathers, and father figures understand and embrace the significant role God has given them to play in the lives of their children and families. Pastor Paul and his wife Meredith have been married since 1982 and they have a son and a daughter. Find out more about pastor paul shepherd at his website pastor or at his church's website destinybayarea.org. and listen to pastor paul weekdays on his show destined for victory at 3 30 in the afternoon 4 30 saturdays and 5 30 sundays and now the kfax ministry of the week sunday message with pastor paul's sermon the difference discipline makes pastor paul shepherd
2: What a joy to be at Cornerstone Church again today. I've had the great honor of being here on a couple of different occasions. I spoke, uh, I think it was last year, Feast of Tabernacles, and I spoke on a Saturday night. The first time I came, I spoke on a Sunday night, and now I have the joy and the honor of meeting the Sunday morning folks at Cornerstone, and I am delighted to be here. I saw on the announcements that something's going to be happening, that there's going to be a midnight prayer meeting. If y'all need a speaker for the midnight prayer meeting, just give me a call, let me know, and I'll see what I can do to get down here. I love this church. I love Pastor John Hagee in a special way. I love his son, Pastor Matt. And uh, the Lord has blessed us to have a great relationship with them. I like hanging out with great people. I really do. I am that mule that entered the Kentucky Derby on purpose. <laughs> I really am. Somebody asked the farmer, "Why in the world would you enter your mule into the Kentucky Derby? He has no chance against those thoroughbred race horses." He's, "Oh, I know that. I just figured the exposure would do him a world of good." <laughs> and I hang out with people like your pastors because I'm convinced the exposure will do me a world of good. Well, I want to get right into the Word of God with you. And so if you have a Bible, you can follow silently as I read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 through 13. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us For our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet, So that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? I want to talk to you about the difference discipline makes. The difference discipline makes. What I want to do in this time with you is to... Deal with an often ignored and often misunderstood process that God uses in our spiritual development. This text speaks of it when it tells us that we need to see the hardships we go through from time to time as something God wants to use to bring discipline. To our lives. Now the only way this message is going to be seen as positive is if you understand what the text means when it says discipline because I'm sure there are a lot of folks listening to this message who when you hear discipline a smile doesn't break out on your face because when you think back to some of the discipline you experience I'm talking about the older generation now Young folk don't know what we're about to talk about here, but some of us who are 50 plus, we, when we hear discipline, sometimes the thoughts that pop into our head were some real serious times of punishment, perhaps corporal punishment, but there were definitely times when discipline, as the text said, was painful. Painful. But I need you to understand something, that this text speaks of discipline and the, the word, the Greek word that's translated here, discipline or chastening in some translations, is not primarily or at least not exclusively about correction or punishment. I need you to understand that the Biblical concept translated discipline or chastening has to do with things like instruction. It has to do with education. It has to do with tutoring. It has to do with training. It may include correction. It may include punishment, but the idea is You are in a process designed to instruct you, equip you, and prepare you for what is ahead. And I need us to understand that because God still uses the process of discipline to bring us to maturity because he has such great things for our lives that he doesn't want us to be ill-prepared for them. See the problem with blessing somebody who hasn't been disciplined, the problem with blessing someone who hasn't been instructed, who hasn't been trained, who hasn't been educated, who hasn't received proper tutoring is when you give them what should be a blessing, the fact that they're not prepared turns it into a curse. Have you ever seen somebody get a hold of money but they're not disciplined? have you ever seen somebody get a hold of power but they're not disciplined? Have you ever seen anybody become a boss on a job and they were not disciplined before they got there? It is not a blessing, it is a curse in their lives because they're ill-prepared. So I just stopped by on my way to heaven to tell you that God wants to bless you But before he blesses you the way he's going to bless you, he wants to prepare you. And one of the processes he uses is a process of discipline. So he'll take the hardships that come to all of our lives simply because you're on planet earth. Listen, some of you all need to get it once and for all. Life on earth is not always easy. Just get it. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this generation that gets surprised when trouble shows up. I'm thinking, where do you think you live? This is not heaven yet. Don't worry about it. We will all know when we get to heaven because we will notice the improvement. We're going to notice the improvement now. Meanwhile, you live on planet Earth. That is a fallen planet. It is groaning, waiting for redemption. And in the meantime, you and I get caught up in some of the hardships that befall us on this earth from time to time, but be of good cheer. God says, when my people go through tough things, I'm not gonna let it destroy them. I'm gonna let it educate them and instruct them and inform them so that I can use it so when I bless them, they'll be prepared for the blessing. I just wanna let you know, God is up to something in your life. And he is so good, he can even use tough stuff to bless you. Now I need you to understand then that because chastening, because discipline can involve some tough and serious times in your life. I want you to be encouraged and the way I want to do that is I want you to understand that because of this text, we're assured that discipline is actually working for our good. It is not working for evil. There are three things in particular that God will do in your life as a result of the hard things he allows you to go through. Why doesn't God always deliver you instantly when you get into a a pickle and you say, oh Lord, help me. Oh Lord, deliver me. How come he doesn't always deliver you right away? I'm glad you asked the question. And I'm going to give you an answer in three parts. First reason why God doesn't deliver you right away is because he is going to allow discipline to increase your vigilance. If you're taking notes, jot that down. Discipline increases vigilance. What do I mean? I mean discipline will teach us to be watchful. God will use tough things to teach us to be careful about the decisions we make. Careful about the company we keep. Careful about the things we expose ourselves to. God will allow discipline to teach us that we have to live smarter lives. You see, if things always go really well, there's no payoff for being smart because everything's going well all the time. But just let some trials hit you. Just let some tough times hit you. Let some difficulties do their work in your life and you will figure it out pretty soon. You know what, I better be careful because if I make the wrong choices, I will get the wrong results. And we've gotta learn that. Discipline increases our vigilance. I want you to understand something, that God is in the business of helping us to learn wisdom. The Bible even says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And God wants us to become wiser, especially as we're getting older. And so discipline is one of the tools, one of the processes God will use to remind you you can't just do anything. You can't just say anything. You can't just show up anywhere. You just can't have any old body in your inner circle. If you're going to be blessed, you're going to have to be smart or wise. And I hope you understand that When the Bible talks about wisdom and when I'm talking here about you being wise, I'm not talking about your formal education. Now your formal education's good, praise God for that and God will use that for his glory. But how many know there's a difference between uh, head smart and life smart? You are probably like me. You know some people who have a lot of formal education read lots of books, have done lots of research, have gone to great schools and gotten great degrees, but when you look at them live their lives, you say, you gotta be kidding. (laughs) Do you know any people like that? Do you know people who are smart and dumb at the same time? (laughs) Come on, let's talk, we might as well talk. We came out here to church this morning, we might as well talk. There are people who are smart and dumb simultaneously. You say, how can you have all those degrees and be that stupid? It's because formal education doesn't produce wisdom. God, through his word and through his processes in our lives, produces wisdom. And so you've got to understand that discipline is going to increase your vigilance and help you to, to be smarter. A lot of us were raised by parents and grandparents. We have a more, a, a higher education formally than they have, but we've never been as smart as they were. Come on, you might as well just be honest. Some of us were raised by people, they don't, they don't, they can't match you degree for degree, but they knew some things that we're still trying to learn. My grandmother used to say, boy, you better listen to me. I'm coming back from where you're going. Come on. Coming back from where I'm going, meaning I know what's down the road. You got theories about it, but I've been there. I've seen it. I remember when I was single, I had theories about kids, raising kids, what I would be like, how wonderful a parent I would be. Then I got married and started having kids. Your theories go out the window. And you got to understand something. Discipline is meant to help you become vigilant, careful, watchful, insightful, deliberate about your choices, deliberate about the people who come into your life. God will use hard things to teach you. If you keep the wrong company, you will not prosper. And some of us have to learn. Some of you are at a place right now in your life where God's disciplining you. And he is moving people out of your inner circle. And it's painful to you. But God says, you don't know how much you need this. Because you've been depending on some of the wrong people. You've been counting on some of the wrong people. And sometimes God will bless us through subtraction. That's a word for somebody. You better grab that and take it with you. God will bless you through subtraction. Not everybody who leaves deserves tears and anguish and weeping. One one of my friends says weeping and gashing of teeth to use that King James expression and he mispronounces gnashing. Listen, God will, when you get through crying over the people leaving your life, God will show you that if anybody who's leaving, I didn't have them there in the first place. And so you have to learn how to be smarter, wiser, more vigilant as you live your life. Discipline accomplishes that. Hard things accomplish that. Learn to spend your time with wise people. When you see wisdom, pursue it and follow it because it'll bless your life. And we have to learn that discipline does a great work in that area of our lives. Let me tell you about a second thing discipline does. And I really want to kind of park here because this is so important, especially in today's world. Not only does discipline increase vigilance, discipline number two imparts values. Discipline imparts values. You see, there's a lot of skills training that takes place in today's world, but very little character training. Have you noticed that? People are learning all kinds of skills. There are all kinds of schools. There are all kinds of programs. Oh, I tell you, people are getting getting the opportunity to get better educations than ever before. They're they're learning all these technological skills and, and, and the things in today's modern world. And look at the great technological progress we're making I remember when when cell phones first came out and people were blown away by the fact that you could actually talk on the phone and not be home or not be at a pay phone. Not be at the job and it blew our minds. I remember when I got my first cell phone. It was a big thing. <laughs> Some of y'all remember your first they probably didn't even call it cell phones. I think it was mobile phones or something like that. Cause that was a big, I mean it. <laughs> you held it up next to your head. And I remember the first time I had my first conversation on one of those. It blew me away. Pull one of those out today and you will get laughed out of the room. Why? <laughs> Why? Because... The advances are of such that now you have this little small unit and you can talk to anybody anywhere in the world. Just grab it out of your pocket or your, your, your purse or wherever it is and just go to talking and it's small. And if you don't even want to hold it up to your head now, you can just get yourself a Bluetooth. Unit and put it around your ear or you can ride in the car and connect it through Bluetooth connectivity and you're driving and talking and that's all just happened in the past couple of decades. But while people are learning how to increase our efficiency, it takes character training to increase our Effectiveness. There's a difference between the two. We're living very efficient lives. We can get everything done quickly. But God says, no, I have to send discipline into your life, instruction into your life, training into your life, and I'll use hard things to do it so that you aren't just a person who is focused on technology and efficiency. I want you, my people, to be focused on effective living. And so... He wants to impart values to us. He wants us to learn how to have what the Bible describes in Joshua chapter 1 as good success. You remember when God was speaking to Joshua and preparing him for the assignment of taking Israel into the promised land? He gave him a set of instructions in chapter one. And among those, he said things like, now I'm gonna speak my word to you. I've given you my word. He said, do not turn from it to the left hand or to the right. I want you to be careful, he said, to do everything I've told you to do. Don't pass on anything. Don't change my rules for anything. He said, Joshua, because if you do it my way, I will give you good success. You know what that tells me? That tells me that there is a success that is not good. There is wealth that is not good. There is power that is not good. There is influence that is not good. And so we must understand that God makes a difference between the world's definition of success and his definition of success. In fact, you can be successful in God's view and you haven't been given wealth yet. You don't have prominence yet. You don't have the things he may bless you with in the future. But even before those come into your life, God can look at you and say, but you're blessed. Because you're walking in obedience, you're walking in wisdom, you're doing what he tells you to do, you're keeping the values he's given you to keep, and you are blessed. A lot of us were raised by blessed people. You might have a bigger home than your grandmother had, but she was more blessed than you are. Because she walked in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I'm interested not only in having things, but I'm interested in having the values that help me learn how to use them to God's glory. And so we have to be people who understand that God wants to impart Values, and he'll do it through the process of using discipline, hard things that he'll use to shape us and instruct us and inform us. Values, when you read your Bible, the reason why you want to read your Bible is because it will remind you of the values God wants you to live your life by. Because when you live in this world, you're not gonna be reminded of them. When you go to work Monday through Friday, you students go to school, you're not gonna learn God's values. The world around us doesn't teach us the values that the Bible teaches us. That's why you got to get in the Bible if you want to walk in wisdom. That's why you got to have, you got to come to a Bible preaching, teaching church like this one. And I applaud you for taking time every week to sit under the word of God because that's the only place in today's world where you're going to get the right values. Values are messed up out there in the world. They're trying to get everything done quickly, so you got to read your Bible. That'll teach you. Sometimes God wants you to wait. Where are you going to learn delayed gratification except in the Bible? You're not going to learn in today's world. We trying to do everything as quick as possible and efficiently. You perhaps, if you listen to my broadcast, you hear me. I fuss about this kind of stuff a lot of times. When today's people say they're washing dishes, they're not washing dishes is washer is washing dishes. When we say, we're washing clothes, we're not washing clothes. Come on now, somebody call you, oh girl, I can't, I, I had to call you back, I'm washing clothes. No, you're not. Just put them on hold, you only need a few seconds, you're going to take some clothes, put them in a machine, dump some detergent in there, close the lid, push a button, you can get right back on the phone. But when your grandmother says she was washing clothes, come on, she was washing clothes. I saw my grandmother with a washboard. I saw her with a tub with a wringer on the top. And she would crank the clothes through. And you say you're drying clothes, no you're not. Take them out of one machine, put them in another machine, put a little fabric softener in, close the lid, push the button, walk away. When your grandmother was drying clothes, she took them out after she wrung all the all the water out that she could. Then she shook them real good. Then she went outside. There was a line strung up with two poles. Come on somebody. And then she had and then she had clothes pins. Young folks see them, don't even know what a clothes pin is. Clothes pin and pinned them up to the line and let the wind do the work. And so life back then just taught people values like you have to delay your gratification sometimes. We used to have to talk on the phone at home, at work, or on a pay phone. You remember when you were out needed, oh, I got to talk to somebody. And you're, you're not at home, you're not at work. You pulled over or got off the bus <laughs> at a corner, found a pay phone, And God forbid, if you didn't have change. You remember those days you're running around with a dollar. Anybody anybody have change? Please, please. And don't have to talk to somebody long distance. Now i got to change a $5 bill. Cause in the middle of your conversation, the lady would break right in, say, your time is up. Please deposit 85 more cents. Nowadays, folk have a cell phone who don't even have an income. You ask them, where you get a, where you get a cell phone? I'm on my mama's plan. So we're not learning much about delayed gratification because we can get instant everything. We go food shopping, we just pull up at a store, walk in, grab a cart, walk up and down aisles, fussing as we go. I don't believe they want this much money for this. Throwing it in the cart. Spoil rotten. You didn't have to grow the food, you didn't have to package the food. And when you get through up and down the aisles, God forbid if there are more than three people in the line ahead of you at the checkout. Now you're really messed up with your spoiled self. Some of you all even loud talk to manager of the grocery. I know y'all better get somebody out here and open up one of these other lines.. Why? Because you're spoiled. You're spoiled. You're not used to delaying gratification. So the only place you're gonna learn about delays is in the Word of God. Y'all remember what photos used to be when you took a picture? You used to have to have an Instamatic camera. You take it on a vacation with you, you buy one, and it will tell you how many exposures you're buying, and that was gonna be it for the whole trip. And you go out there and you see something nice. Say, okay, wait a minute. And you take that and then you have to wind the thing. Come on. Then you stop taking another one. And sometimes if you wanted to see your pictures but you hadn't used all the exposures, you'd just have to shoot anything because you weren't going to see the pictures until they were all done. You'd just be walking around, bam and bam. Just shooting everything so you could use them up. Then what did you have to do? You had to take it out the camera, put it in an envelope, write your name and address on it, drop it off at the Photoshop or the pharmacy, and wait. And today you just pull out your phone and take your picture. You can take a selfie. Come on, take your own picture. How spoiled are we? They, y'all have made them make the thing so that it turn, turns around and looks at you. You're supposed to be shooting something else. Now you're looking at yourself. <laughs> Click. Then right on the same phone, you email it to your friend in South Africa. And in two seconds, your friend is saying, girl, you lost weight. It's the world we live in. We get it done quickly, instantly. I remember, I remember between what we have now and starting out with the instant Remember when Polaroid first came out? Oh, we thought we were into something. Polaroid first came out. That was the first concept we ever had that you might be able to see the picture soon. And you took your, y'all remember your first Polaroid? You took that and then it came out the front. And you took it out and you looked at it, but it was gray and cloudy. But come on, old heads, show these young folks what we used to do to speed up the process. <laughs> speed it up, blow on it. And he said, oh, I see a hand, I see a hand. God wants you to learn. Not everything happens instantly. You're not going to learn it in the world. You have to learn that in the word. So God will use discipline. He'll let things happen in your life where you can't get instant results. So that you have to wait on him and you have to pray. And you have to seek the Lord with your whole heart. God is not as interested in answering quickly every time. Because you'll never build your patience muscle. If you get everything right away, so he'll work your patience muscle by delaying your gratification. He'll also work your patience muscle by sending certain people into your life. (laughs) How many know God will use people to teach you to how to be patient because you're either going to learn how to be patient or you're going to catch a criminal case. Some of y'all are too holy, but I've prayed the kind of prayers that say, Lord, you better help me because I'm fitting to hurt somebody. I know you're too holy to say amen, but that's all right. I'll tell on myself. He'll teach you values like delayed gratification. He'll teach you values like being faithful over a few things. One of the things that concerns me about today's generation is too few of them are learning the values that come through learning a process. And my dad used to say, coming up through the ranks. My daddy used to call it coming up through the ranks. The idea was you don't jump from just getting in the army. All right, I want to get in the general program. How can I become a general? (laughs) See, today's world, we want to jump instantly to the top. But the word of God, God will use discipline to teach you that as Jesus said in Luke 16, if you can be faithful over a few things, then God will qualify you so that you can later on be faithful over much. But you gotta start with the little. See, a lot of folks don't, today's world don't wanna start with the little. They want a lot right away. I'm scared of preachers. I'm scared of pastors who never were a youth minister first or a deacon first or a chauffeur for the pastor first because you might not have learned and now you want to jump up and tell the whole church what to do. I'm scared of you. I'm looking for people who came through the ranks. See, that's how I got. You see me standing up here in the pulpit of one of America's greatest churches. I didn't show up here by accident. I started out as a Sunday school teacher in my little church. And they gave me a Sunday school class with no classroom. (laughs) Just put a couple of chairs out in the middle of the fellowship hall. That's where you teach. Now go out and get some people to teach. I mean, that's how they told me. And then I graduated to deacon, which means servant. Graduated to deacon. I'll, I'll never forget one of the assignments, one of the assignments they gave me was to take the lady who lived the farthest from the church home every Sunday. I mean, she lived way out there. She was a servant, she was a living maid of a, of a doctor, and he had a nice house way outside of Philadelphia. I don't even know what town that was in, but I had to take her. She took a train or something in, and one of the saints picked her up, but the church gave me the assignment as a deacon, take her home every Sunday. And that's back in the days where you had morning service, and I grew up in a black morning service church that took its time. We had church till we were done. Y'all don't know nothing about that kind of church. But let me tell you, well, I grew up in a church where there's no need of having a written order of service. It wasn't going to matter. If you wanted an order of service in church I grew up in, take yourself a blank piece of paper and write down what happens. That's the order of service. We stayed in there. My daddy was my pastor and he loved to preach. He loved to sing. He loved to shout. He loved to pray. And so he'd just get up. Wouldn't even be a choir Sunday. He said, choir, come on up here. Y'all don't know where y'all sitting. Just come on up here. Let's sing. <laughs> and we'd had a long two and a half, sometimes three hour morning service. Then back in the day, they would go downstairs and eat. And this sister, I gotta take. she's sitting down there and she was always the last one at the table, her and a couple of her friends. And I'm standing there as the deacon, trying to get this lady home so I can get on with my life. But I had to wait for her. Finally she said, all right, she was a little Barbadian lady. Okay, brother, I'm ready to go. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. Then I became a a minister, a lay minister in the church. Just do whatever they tell you to do. Go visit the sick, go pray for somebody, go help somebody. Finally, I became the associate pastor. Then one day, I became a senior pastor. But I was trained through the ranks, preaching. I get to preach in a wonderful pulpit like this only because God qualified me in little churches. You don't get to start out preaching to thousands of people. My daddy, and my daddy said, he told me later on, he said, I saw the Lord's hand on you. I knew God was going to take your ministry to some very significant places, so I knew I had to train you right, discipline you right in ministry. I had to teach you that you don't preach for money that God will bless you and the people will take care of you, but your motive can't be money. So he trained me by sending me places where he knew I wasn't gonna get any money. He sent me to these little raggedy churches. He sent me one place, and this is no lie, they took five offerings. And mine was the fifth. I lie not. By the time they said, now we have a speaker and we want to bless him. I sat there and thought, these people don't have any more money. But he sent me there on purpose because he knew he couldn't afford to make me think that ministry was about what I would get. It had to be about what I could give. I'll never forget one time he sent me someplace a Sunday afternoon and a uh, little church. He said, I'm supposed to be the preacher, but I don't feel like preaching today. You going over there and tell him I sent you. That's the way the old, old folk did. And he called the pastor and said, my son going to come preach for me. I'm not feeling too well. The pastor said, okay, fine. I got over there. It was a 3.30 service and the old people taught us, you got to be on time. And I showed up at 3.30 and nobody was in the sanctuary. Hello, 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 hello. (laughs) Finally, some man came walking through the sanctuary. I said, pardon me, sir, but am I in the right place? Is that going to be a three? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, they downstairs eating chicken. They'll be up in a little while. (laughs) Finally, 17 people come upstairs, sit in there and start the service. But my daddy taught me, preach as hard to those 17 as you can. Because that's qualifying you for what God has later on. And so these days when I'm blessed to be able to preach in a cornerstone church, blessed to be able to, I, I've been able to speak in some of these arena events where I've, I've preached where the bulls play and the rockets play and, and different, I've stood in those places and proclaimed the word of God. I know now when God blesses me to, to be in a place like that, not to trip because I'm ready to preach to the thousands only cause I learned how to preach to 17. We have to learn to be faithful over a few things. What do you have now? Take care of that right. Do it in a way that glorifies God so he can qualify you. I'm out of time. Let me give you one more point and I'm done. Discipline inspires victory. It inspires victory. This text tells us it's, not, it's painful, it's not fun when you're first going through it. It says, but afterwards... It yields or produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are trained by. And then it says, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. Do you know when you go through right and when you let God discipline your life, he'll give you personal victory, he'll give you righteousness and peace, and then he'll bless you to be a blessing to somebody else. I need you to know sometimes you have to learn the lesson right so that you can teach it well to somebody else. You got a lot of people in your life who don't know how to go through trials. They're spoiled rotten. They think God ought to give them everything they want right away. But God will use the maturity he has developed in you and you will be able to help people say to see that this is the path of victory. Walk in it no matter how tough it gets sometime because afterward there's going to be a bright side. See, you got to teach people to go through the valley of the shadow of death. A lot of folks are scared of that valley, but the only way you can get to the table prepared for you is you got to go through the valley first. I'm glad God has taught me through some valleys in my life. Just stay with me in the valley, he said, don't fear any evil, walk with me, humble yourself, do what I tell you to do. He said, because if you do it right, afterwards I'm going to bring you out and prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Has anybody ever had God prepare a table before you after you went through some tough things, after you handled some difficult challenges, you're sitting there at a table, of experience and anointing and blessing and you get to share the goodness of God with other folks seated at the table with you. So I just came to tell you that discipline really does make a difference. Don't fight the process, go through it. What we need to understand that since the road of destiny sometimes leads us through the valley of disappointment, We have got to learn that disappointment is something that is already absorbed in the plan of God. Now this is important because if we don't learn from lessons like this. We will focus too much attention and give too much power to people and challenges that disappoint us, and we will act like I would be farther down the road. I would be where I need to be in my life if these folks had just come through for me. And what we're going to have to learn is that our destiny is not in the hands of anybody who disappoints us God has not given anyone the power to control your destiny we are people called according to God's purpose he's up to something in our lives He saved us for his own purpose, and the Bible is clear. We are called according to God's purpose. The Bible tells us he began a good work in us. He's going to bring it to completion, and it didn't say he'll bring it to completion unless people mess you up. God emphatically says, I'm taking you where I want you to be, and we have to learn how to deal better with disappointers. We have to learn that disappointers are going to come and that these aren't the people who hate you, these aren't the people who have hard feelings towards you, these aren't the people who are out to get you in some way. Disappointers are people who love you, who want the best for you, who think well of you, and to the extent that they can, they want to be a blessing to you. That's the nature of a disappointer. You can't be disappointed by an enemy. Think about it for a moment. How does an enemy get to disappoint you? You know they don't like you. So why in the world would you expect good out of an enemy? When a person shows you they hate you, believe them. And don't expect anything good from them. Just pray that God will bless you to be able to discern how to deal with them. But when it comes to disappointers... The only people who can disappoint you are people you have reasonable expectations of. You know they don't have it in for you, and so you're really not worried about them, anything they could do, because you trust them, and rightly so. These are people who have your best interest at heart, but the problem is they are strangely human People disappoint you not because they have it in for you, they disappoint you because every now and then their humanity or their issues or their whatever gets in the way of their good intentions and they let you down. Disappointers are people who definitely want to do right by you, but they don't always come through. And you ought to understand that there is nobody on the face of the earth who will always come through in every little detail now of course as we're walking with God God is wanting to make us people of integrity and character and grow us and heal the broken areas of our lives and build us up and make us people who as a matter of character we are faithful we can be counted on we can be depended on and so we ought to all be in that process where God is making us people that others can count on as a matter of our integrity and character but the fact of the matter is Sometimes it's not a lack of integrity or character. Sometimes folk let you down for more benign reasons such as I forgot. (laughs) It's what happens here in this text. My man forgot. He likes Joseph, but he forgot. He got up there, got excited, got his job back, had a lot to do, make sure this party goes well, and he forgot. And you ought to understand that people are going to be strangely human sometimes and they won't always come through and you ought to know that people are not always gonna come through for you because there are times when you disappoint yourself. Now let's think about it. There are times when you let yourself down. There are times when you have better expectations of you and there are times you let yourself down. Have you ever done things to disappoint yourself so badly that you look in the mirror at yourself and say, what is the matter with you? Something must be wrong with you. You need to get checked out. So we've got to understand that disappointers are going to come. And you will see God do amazing things in your life. God bless you.
1: You've been listening to Pastor Paul E. Shepard of Destined for Victory Ministries on the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday Message. You can hear Pastor Paul Shepard weekdays at 3.30, Saturdays at 4.30, and Sundays at 5.30 on his show, Destined for Victory. Find out more about Pastor Paul at his website, pastorpaul.net, and at his church's website, destinybayarea.org. Or at our website, kfax.com, where you can also find links to podcasts of this program. I'm Mike Matthews. Join us here again next week for the Ministry of the Week Sunday message on AM 1100 KFAX